It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What's up, everybody? It's George Carney from Full Press Coverage Washington, and welcome to the Full Press Washington Podcast. Let's get it. What's up, everybody from the DMV? This is George Carmi here on a lovely Wednesday night, coming off a victory against the Atlanta Falcons. So we're sitting here at two and two. I'm really blessed to be here with a bunch of my boys that I talk to on Twitter all the time. First of all, I'm gonna say what's up to my man Manny Chakuba. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you having me on this podcast, man. I'm excited. Man. Let's get it. 100 man so many um basically runs the podcast talking sports with manny had me on pre-draft before i had a really good time with him had to have him on my podcast so thank you for being here manny absolutely man i want to tip the cat to my boy hans hans alfonso man how you doing man what's up what's up man hey thanks for having me george yeah my name is hansel alfonso guys uh, i just keep it short for hans you know so i don't have to ha- hear the joke so many times but hey <laughs> you want to throw some hansel and grit on there some hansel zoolander man i'm ready to roll let's get this thing popping baby <laughs> Sounds good, man. What's up? And then basically, I'm going to throw it to my boy, Tony J. Wheat, one of my FBC Washington guys. How you doing, Tony? Good. Not bad at all. Nice to see you, boys. bit better than last week. A bit happier. Exactly right, man. Exactly right. And last but not least, my man, Nathan Coleman. How you doing, Nate? George, what's going on? Thank you so much for having me. Let's get into it. Let's get into oh, it, man. Let's see what's going on. So, guys, um, you know, welcome to our podcast today. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of run it down and break through some questions. Can I talk about the Atlanta Falcons game last week and kind of preview the um, New Orleans Saints week going forward? So, guys, we're a few days in removed from the Washington's win over Atlanta. It was a narrow 34 to 30 victory that spanned all sorts of like, you know, the whole emotional spectrum from highs and lows, good place to bad place, ugly to beautiful, right? All over the place. 
Um, I want to pitch it to Tony first. And Tony's going to be the first one to answer the question. What is your big takeaway from the game? And what is your state of the team after four weeks? Where are you at right now? I think the the big takeaway from the game was that although there was still, you know, any number of problems that have, have that are still there after the first few weeks, you know, with the particularly on the D with the issues around the blown communications, the big plays, the third down problems, you know, despite all that, um, you know, the team's obviously got a little bit of heart to it because, you know, they pulled it out late in the game again for the second time in three weeks. Could easily have folded the tents and then it could be could be 0 and four. So I think you know, despite multiple problems that the team still has, um, to, to get to two and two, they've had to show some grit and some character to get there. Um, and say what you like about Mr. Heineke, and no doubt we'll talk about him later. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he's pulled out a couple of uh, a couple of late drives, so we you know we we can pick apart his game, and I'm sure we will. But you know, the kid's got a bit of character, and, and maybe that's been reflected in the team as well. So. Um, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway was we're we're still alive. We've still got work to do, but um, you know, better to be that than one and three, and uh, not not <laughs> even wanting to think about not even wanting to think about one and three. Exactly right. I think that's a, that's a good point. Sorry, Tony, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think a lot of us would be you know at the beginning of the season looking at our schedule, looking at the Buffalo Bills, looking at um the San Diego Chargers. Sorry, Los, Los Angeles Chargers. Now, excuse me. Um, being at two and two is probably where we should be, right? That's kind of what was expected from the team. Um, I do like your take that we are showing grit, that we are kind of showing some positivity. And even though there are some deficiencies in the team, we are staying afloat and staying competitive, right? That's all you can really ask for. Yeah. So, and, look, uh, and go ahead, Tony, what can you say? No, I was just going to say, I think that, um, you know, there, there was a lot of people that you know, a month ago, if you just said that the offense probably keeping the defense going, um, <laughs> you know, keeping the team alive in games rather than the defense, you'd have probably been accused of being a little bit crazy. But, you know, here we are four games in and, Really, the offense has scored, you know, thirty odd points in the two games that we've won. So, you know, that's a that's a surprise. Um, and just the other the other final take is that, you know, I saw a few things, a few articles, listened to a few people that said sort of, you know, September kind of almost a new August now, um, with with teams sort of bet taking longer to bet into the season. Um, and and again, I thought I, again, I thought that would be more likely to be offensively. Um, so I guess if I'm trying to be positive about the defense, you know, they've had a month to bet in now and. You know, they better stop fixing some of these issues. I like that, Tony. That's a good take. And I think just kind of learning to win, right? So if you clearly have deficiencies, you're not doing a great job, but you're still getting these Ws like while you're learning through the process, that kind of teaches you to kind of have some sort of like gall and some sort of confidence moving forward for the rest of the season. So I do like that take with you, Tony. Nate, so what do you think, man? What's your big takeaway from Atlanta? And what's your state of the team after four weeks? Yeah, I think good teams you see them clicking on all cylinders right and you see that consistently throughout a season you'll see multiple games where special teams is working defense is working offense is working you haven't seen that in a single game from us and Mm -hmm. that's probably going to be pretty consistent throughout the year you saw that last year too Uh, i think they are what their record says they are but you can make a really strong argument they're really similar teams to atlanta or the giants we just happen to beat them um, mm-hmm. So right now we're still kind of one of those bottom tier teams, but you, you'll take the W all day. Uh, I think you're going to see some uh, positive regression from the defense as far as like pass rushing. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're going to see a bit of a step back from the offense. Like anytime the offense is in the top 10 in points per play, and yards <laughs> per play, I mean, that's probably not going to carry over for the full season, but hell, if it does, that would be awesome. I mean, I'll tell you what, like constantly playing from behind, is killing both sides of the ball. Like imagine being a quarterback and having to drop back 
and you know the pass rush is coming for you and they know you have to throw the ball and then mm-hmm. flip that on the other side as a defender when you when you know the team can either run or pass because they're playing with the lead it makes it so much harder to just rush the passer you have really to does. worry about all those rush lanes and everything so that's something we've seen and guess what it's it's, it's only going to get harder from here so it really we've will got a lot of a lot of work to do but uh it could be worse Exactly right. I think like Ron Rivera should definitely take into consideration in deferring the ball and actually actually receiving the ball first as opposed to deferring it because every single time Taylor Heineke's taken the field this season, he's been down with a deficit, either you know seven points for the first three games and then three points in this last game. So that's definitely something to consider. And you're right, like <clears throat> hopefully there is some sort of positive regression for our defense. Like if our defense improves a tiny bit and our offense kind of stays relatively the same, we might be a pretty dangerous team and might be able to make some noise in the NFC East. So um. Let's see. Um, Mandy, what do you got, man? What are you thinking? What, how, how do you feel about the Atlanta game? What's your takeaway about our team so far? What do you got so far? So about the Atlanta game, like something that never really happens was that the team, the special teams are special. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We haven't had special teams since, what, a uh, return since who? Steven Sims? And I mm-hmm. think that was a punt return. So to see, like, to be honest, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, I turn away and I look back at my phone and I'm like, oh, snaps, we scored. Now I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. So to, so to get a 101-yard kickoff return, I think that was, the, the I mean, the key to the game. Because yeah, <laughs> we're an offense that we're going to struggle to score four touchdowns on offense. Like, I, I don't know how many times that happens this season. And if Antonio Gibson, who has been the guy last year that was scoring touchdowns, if he's not scoring touchdowns, like, who's going to score? So now, even in fantasy football, you have Taylor Heineke in there as a borderline QB1, high-end QB2. So – He's playing really, really well. So the takeaway really for me is I always like the quarterback to have hope. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I always sound crazy when I say it, but I'm like, if you just give me just a little bit of hope, if we're losing, do we even have a sliver of hope of winning the game? And in the past, maybe like the past three, four years, it's been no. Like once we get down by 14 points, it's over. 100%. 100%. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Alex Smith, he was here for years. And <laughs> I just see check down, check down, check down, check down some more. You know, but with Taylor Heineke, everybody's criticizing – that um that, that okay well that pass he shouldn't have threw that you know it was kind of crazy I know we're gonna talk about that everybody knows that pass was exactly what you're talking yeah. about it on the break. <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. yeah so yeah. it was a duck it was crazy but the thing is the elusiveness and the heart and the grit because Terry sees how hard Taylor Heineke plays guess mm-hmm. what he's gonna do everything he can to make sure that Taylor Heineke is successful there mm-hmm. was a few passes that should have been intercepted but guess what Terry had to play defensive back. So mm-hmm. I guess my biggest takeaway so far in four weeks is that the offense has heart. Yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to make sure that Taylor Heineke is successful. Mm-hmm. The offensive line is gonna block better. The running backs are gonna pass protect. Did you see those pass protection plays? Awesome, I mean, man. laying people out. McKissick, you know, you man, s- laid someone out. It was beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah. The tight ends are doing it. So the biggest takeaway is that they're gonna rally around Taylor Heineke. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. Even when Fitz comes back, we're gonna rock with Taylor Heineke mm-hmm. until the season is up. No, 100%, man. I totally agree with you. And I think, um, you know, we talked about it before. I talk to Nate and Tony all the time. We talked about Ron Rivera might not be the most, you know, well-rehearsed X and O's kind of coach in regard to like Sean Payton or like Andy Reid and of that ilk. But I think he is a game manager and I think he is like a leader of men. So I do think he kind of established like confidence and grit in our team. And we are seeing that with our offense. We are seeing that resiliency, that that it, it's, it's a learned trait. It's a good trait that can carry us throughout the rest of the year. So I'm excited about that. And um, yeah, definitely, Manny, I agree with you with the special teams aspect. I was on Urban Sports Scene with um, Wale yesterday, and we were just talking about, he said that DeAndre Carter play was, in his opinion, the play of the game, right? We 
were on the ropes. We were basically, you know, we were down, I think it might maybe seven or 10 at that point. In the first play of the second half, he scores a touchdown and brings us right back into it. And it's a whole new ball game. So, you know, we need that. Like if our defense isn't performing the way it is, it's, a, it's a, literally the last in the, in the NFL in regard to third down conversions. Like, you know, if we need that extra spark somehow, DeAndre Carter held it down for us. So I appreciate that. All right, man, Hans. So what do you think, man? What's, what's your takeaway from the Atlanta game? And how do you feel about the team after four weeks? Yeah, um, like you had mentioned, I mean, uh, looking at the schedule, I picture this to be two and two right now at best. You know, that's I'm sure most realistic fans are looking at it and they're like, yeah, you know, Chargers game is up in there. I mean, we could be three and one, right? We should have won that game, but, you know, it didn't work out in our favor. And I, I feel like we're learning to win. Biggest takeaway uh, to piggyback off Manny, it was a special teams. I love the fact we have been trash for years in special teams. <laughs> trash. Yeah. yeah. This guy, Carter, when we signed him, I was like, man, what are we doing wasting our money getting this kid? I mean, it, it wasn't even that much money, but I was like, but then I started seeing preseason and 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 just the fact that, you know, now when you fair catch the ball goes to the 25, not the 20, I'm looking every single time he's basically getting the ball to the 30-yard line, which is five is. plus yards. Mm -hmm. And I love how he has the confidence and I love how he takes it personal when he can't take a kick back. I love that. I that love tells that. me everything I need to know about a player. He's just that dog. He wants that ball. And let's not leave out the fact what a heck of a play he made in the last drive to keep mm -hmm. the drive alive. I mean, yeah, that was a big huge. catch. That was awesome. We, we put him in the game. You know, I mean, you got guys like AGG who were hoping would do something. He's not even getting any playing time, and this good kid comes in and he makes he makes a great catch. Mm -hmm. But my 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 biggest takeaways because I don't want to steal what he has said. I just wanted to touch on it. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that I love that even though Terry has been through so many quarterbacks, he's finding somebody and it's clicking. Mm -hmm. we're starting to use him the way we should mm -hmm. i think scott turner has been doing great in the passing game i think we should we need to involve gibson a lot more mm -hmm. uh he did have what uh 12 14 touchdowns or whatever yeah, he had like last that. year well, yeah lower, lower, yeah so so yeah we're getting him involved and, and i get it we got heineke you want to get him going you want to get his confidence going but you got to keep the balance too right because we all know a player Brett Favre type-ish style of player like he is could be a train wreck at any moment, right? So you yeah, have yeah. to protect you have to protect them from himself and you got to get the run game going um to to you know to, to keep the balance. Biggest surprise is how good the offense is is, is playing and they're carrying mm -hmm. the defense. And mm -hmm. obviously I'm disappointed in the defense and in, in, in what's going on on that side of the ball. Mm -hmm. it, it is a bit concerning, but I do have to think to myself, I don't want to use it as an excuse, but the fact that last year there was no preseason. Mm -hmm. Now this now this year there's three preseason games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now also the rosters are expanding. You're having more players. You're giving other guys opportunities. Now that you have three preseason games, that third preseason game becomes the game for the guys who are on the bubble of the roster. So mm -hmm. I still look at this first quarter of the season as we're still trying to get our feet wet. You know, mm -hmm. it's like yeah. the second preseason and before the season keeps going on. So I'm excited to see what we do. We do need to come together as a staff. I, I do agree with you that. Uh, Rivera is a great game manager, but we need to, uh, you know, align ourselves together and, and get everybody clicking on both sides of the ball. I feel like that when we have that one game on defense where we gain mm -hmm. confidence, it'll mm -hmm. come back. You know, we also have kind yeah, of new pieces, yeah, new pieces that are playing also on defense mm -hmm. um, that are trying to get accustomed and, 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 you know, some rookies on that side of the ball. So I'm excited to see what we're going to do. But right now, to leave it at my final point, I'm not surprised we're at two and two. It could it could be worse, but I know this is long term. Looking down the future, <laughs> I, I hate to say this, man, but it's gonna be hard to catch Dallas, man. It yeah. really is the way they're playing ball, man. Uh, I gotta give it to them. 
they 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 fixed their their defense, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. which was their weakness. Mm -hmm. And I mean, before Dak got hurt last year, I mean, he was putting up monstrous yeah. numbers, and he's picking up right where he left off. Yeah. And not a lot, not a lot of guys do that when they come back from injury. So 100%. it's gonna be a long haul. You know, I'm excited. This ain't a show about the Cowboys, so we're not gonna give them too much love and too much credit. <laughs> but yeah. but I but but we gotta be realistic, and we and we gotta see that that's in front of us, and that's gonna be a challenge going forward. No, I got you, man. It's definitely a long season. Um, I actually like I got battered for it on Twitter. I basically my preseason predictions. I had the Cowboys winning the division. I had them winning ten games. They're ten and seven. I had us right behind them at eight and nine. Um, Dan Quinn now is a defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. I think sometimes you have coordinators that are better at their position, you know, as their at their focus as opposed to being a head coach. And I think him becoming the um, defensive coordinator to focus on that has kind of balanced Dallas out a little bit. But as you mentioned, Hans, it's not a Dallas Cowboys podcast. It's got to put this pivot <laughs> somewhere else, right? Yeah. So let's go this direction over here. So I'm going to throw it over to Nate first, kind of start this off here, right? So Taylor Heineke, man, once again, you know, when the game was like, you know, at, at a peril in the fourth quarter, like, you know, I made a statement yesterday. He's the anti-Kirk Cousins. Like, Kirk Cousins was basically, like, he would crumble under pressure. He wouldn't convert. Like, you you, you would kind of assume that the worst would happen when Kirk Cousins took the ball in the fourth quarter. But I'm starting to build some confidence in Taylor Heineke, right? Like, I feel like he has that, like, the clutch factor. He has that calmness and that under pressure. And I mentioned the other day, like, you know, his first, like, you know, real big NFL game was against the Buccaneers in the playoffs. His second start was basically against the Giants on Thursday night football. And then he goes up to Buffalo in a hostile environment and played a pretty good game there too, even though he has some mistakes, but he doesn't shine away from the limelight. Everybody, I'm going to start off with Nate, but is this like expectation? Is this what we should we can expect from Taylor Heineke moving forward? Or do you think there's going to be some regression? He's going to kind of take a step back as the year goes on. What are you seeing in Taylor Heineke, Nate? What do you think? Yeah, so I put out a tweet, uh, shameless plug, like yesterday, just saying basically like if Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing the exact same thing as Taylor Heineke, would people be freaking out about it? Or is this about what you would expect out of Ryan Fitzpatrick? My answer would be like, yeah, it's about what you would expect, but this isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is a backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like expectations for him, like most people are, uh, it's, it's, it's all about like extremism, right? Either you're like a Tay-Tay guy and you just love him to the extreme or you just, no matter what he does, you have confirmation bias and you're just going to say, no, he's not good. Um, but at the end of the day, he's been pretty awesome. I, people really fixate on uh, the turnover worthy plays, right? That was mm -hmm. a topic you keep seeing. And it's a key metric over at PFF. Um, and most of the guys who are in the top of the turnover worthy plays, a lot of them, the good quarterbacks, they're guys who make stuff happen. They're like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and guys who are creating off script a lot of times, because when you're, when you're able to create off script, like a Josh Allen, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to have more chances to make crazy plays. And sometimes mm -hmm. they turn into big time plays or big time mm -hmm. throws. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot more of those out of those quarterbacks as well. So there's a reason that they have more turnover worthy plays. You just have to balance it out. But mm -hmm. I mean, Heineke is a gamer, man. I mean, the, the big thing with him, the big thing I'm going to keep stressing is like, he needs play action. He needs so much play action. Mm -hmm. Right now we rank in the top five in play action pass attempts. So mm -hmm. his completion percentage jumps from 63.5% all the way up to 79% when Jeez. he needs play action. And wow. on top of that, his yards per attempt, this is crazy. It goes from 6.7 without play action all the way up to 10.6 with play action. Damn. So he needs play action. And like that just shows you another thing is like you don't need to run the ball to use play action, right? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> in every single game, and yeah. we've been using play action successfully. So yeah. they need to keep doing that. Um, but I, I'm fine with Heineke. I have no, I don't have high expectations. I just ex like I, I, he's exceeded any expectations. He has. I, Most I agree. backup quarterbacks, like 
if 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 the Chiefs had Chad Henney and Chad Henney was out there and Chad Henney was playing like this, the Chiefs fans would be ecstatic. In right love now. with him, exactly you know? right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, so you you have to lower your expectations and be happy and enjoy the ride, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's not a franchise quarterback. Uh, I can almost guarantee that by the end of the year we won't be talking about this. But for now, he's playing like one, and and just enjoy it. It's fun. I it mean, is fun. I, I think people just either want to hate or they want to like take victory laps, and and that's not right <laughs> to me. I agree. That's a good point, Nate. I think of uh, Scott Turner has put um, Taylor Heineke in advantageous positions, right? I feel like you know, in, in, in addition to the play actions, he's done a lot of rollouts and bootlegs, or basically like he can create off his legs. So like you know. I think the fear that what I'm gathering from Ron Rivera and, you know, Scott Turner, is they're afraid that Taylor Heineke might take these big chances and maybe have a turnover. But they're like, you know what, just scale it back. I mean, if you don't see it down there, just run a couple yards, take a slide, take five yards, you know, you ain't going to go broke taking some change. So do whatever you got to do. And I kind of see they're pushing that with Taylor Heineke. Um, Tony, what do you think, man? Is this, um, can we expect clutch Heineke moving forward for the rest of the year? What are you thinking? Tony? I think that um, it's, it's difficult to produce you know, fourth quarter comebacks on a consistent basis. Um, you know, it's 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 asking a lot, especially for a guy who who has been a, a backup quarterback, you know, by and large, um, since he left college. You know, the XFL and, and everything else. But I think you know, as we said before, as, as Nate's already said, he, you know, he clearly has got he's got that ability to to make plays uh and, and he you know having seen some of the plays watched a lot of the offense last year we were just sort of dinking and dunking we were so kind of you know we almost bored us to tears at times never mind the rest of the league so the fact that we're actually um attempting to be a little bit more sensitive is a good thing um in terms of it's sustainable that's the key i mean you know, i agree with nate as well that you know i think he is a friend Quarterback long term, um, but having said that, you know he's only started four games now. You know what do we what do we do? And then this is a hypothetical. What do we do if he plays like this for sixteen games? Now I don't think it's likely that that will happen um, because I think that you know, as, as I said on the pod last week, where defense and teams get more film on him and, and start to find the things that he's good for him. You know, the longer he keeps doing this, and, and you know, clearly a couple of the passes were maybe a little, little bit ill-judged, but you know, they were can is that a formula for consistent success? Don't know, not sure, but um, you know, like next, kind of just go along for the ride for now. I, I don't think I, I don't have a for him to be here in two, three years as the face of the franchise, but you know, if he can win us some games this season. And then we can have fun doing it then you know ride with it compared to what we've had in the past jesus come on okay exactly right Manny, what are you thinking do you think taylor heineke can just have fun with him while, he's, the, while he's here uh, yeah exactly right what do you think uh, Manny? absolutely i think he can keep this going and this is why last year in the small sample size when you look at taylor heineke he had the likes of um who was it cam sims Steven Sims Jr. He made Steven Sims Jr. look like an NFL player. Okay. That's true. So when he made that pass and put it in the perfect spot to where Butterfingers Sims Jr. was able to catch the ball, put two feet in bounds, I said, you know what? We might have something here. And that's not saying a lot because we haven't had quarterback, like a real quarterback here. So 
But when I watch Taylor Heineke, right, he gives you heart. He he, he reminds me of a Doug Flutie. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys remember Doug Flutie. I'm not saying that he is Doug Flutie, but he reminds me of a Doug Flutie. He's going to move around, move around. He, he's exciting. He's fun to watch, like you guys have said. And he's making the correct plays. Yes, sometimes the passes could be a little bit off and things like that, but this is the Taylor Heineke I expect, even in the Buffalo game. He continued to perform. Like, you're never going to see him take a playoff. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a Russell Westbrook in basketball in terms of he's going to keep going and going and going and going. He's going to give it every single thing he got. Mm -hmm. If he has one leg, he's going to play in that one leg. You've seen him (laughs) separate his shoulder. He's going to do whatever it takes to win, and that's Mm -hmm. what you want. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like I said before, the team is going to play for him. Mm -hmm. And I would say this, and then then I'm done. Outside of Terry McLaurin, I think he's elite or almost elite. Let's just say that. If you remove Terry from this team, who else do you really trust on this offense? Now that Logan Thomas is gone and a few other guys, like who do you really trust? So mm-hmm. with the complement of weapons that this guy that this guy has and what he's doing is remarkable. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Outside of Terry, who's really taking pressure away from Terry? Like he's been targeting double digit times <laughs> two, two games in a row. So I this is the Taylor Heineke that I'm expecting to continue. He's making McKissick come back to life. He's mm-hmm. making uh, uh, Ricky Seals Jones look like a thing. I mean, he's making all <laughs> like these, a thing. It's hilarious. You know what I'm saying? He's making all these different guys look good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, Adam Humphreys had you know has some you know nice catches. They got me Brown some nice catches. So this is what I'm expecting. I'm not saying it's going to translate into wins, but what I'm telling you is this guy is going to give everything he got every single play, every single game. No, I agree with you. I think um, very good point, Manny. I think uh, Taylor Heineke probably is our most ex- explosive offensive player besides Terry McLaurin. I do think Terry McLaurin. I mean, I was just watching him during you know last Atlanta game. I'm like, dude, that guy's a true wide receiver one. It's, it's undisputed. That guy just balls, and he just does what exactly what he needs to do. You know, he he can do it all. You know, he can basically catch a deep ball, catch it across the middle. Um, you know. There were, I did see some passes where Taylor Heineke kind of left them high and dry and kind of hit a couple times, a little bit here or there. But the fact that Heineke does, you know, he competes, man. I, I remember watching the Buffalo game, and I got a little bit concerned. I was like, you know what, he's kind of pushing it too hard. He got hit a couple times while he was running. But I was like, you know what, I see the heart there. And maybe that's – maybe that Rivera saw it. Maybe like, you know what, I'm going to put – you know, I'm going to give this guy a shot. He busted his butt to get on the team. Let's give him one more opportunity. So we're going to see how it goes. Han, what do you think, man? you think we can um, keep us up with uh, Heineke the rest of the season? What are you thinking? Uh, yeah, man. Um, it's been fun to watch him, honestly, to tell you the truth. Uh, one thing is that everybody loves the underdog and I'm going to tell you right now, um, do I see him as our franchise quarterback? Uh, no, but I am somebody who can be swayed, mm-hmm. uh, and, and persuaded. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think he's going to be the guy, but one thing I've learned about my time on this planet is that you don't doubt people like that. Mm-hmm. When they play like that and they have heart like that, there's something in them that drives them. Now, of mm-hmm. course, the candle burns out at some point, um, and some people are special, and it doesn't happen, and, and mm-hmm. they keep it going. Um, I feel he's doing a heck of a job running that offense, and as much pass plays as Scott Turner is calling, mm-hmm. I think he's handling himself really well. Mm-hmm. Like you guys, like you guys mentioned, he doesn't have many weapons, right? Or he he has Terry. Everybody mm-hmm. knows he's going to Terry, and he finds a way to get Terry the ball more than any other quarterback that we've had. Since mm-hmm. Terry's had him, and, to, and he finds him every single time. He and does. you know, when, when you get to make plays and keep plays alive, teams on defense get scared of you, mm-hmm. and they, they 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 panic. They don't know what to do. Should I go forward? Should I take away his pass? I mean, his run. Should I sit back and take the pass? And what I'm interested the most is this: 
obviously we're learning how to win and i don't think that that we're anywhere near where we need to be we're learning how to win but winning the division last year gave us the opportunity to have a first place schedule right mm -hmm. which hey for us and our team we don't really like but if we're gonna find out anything about heineke this is the time to do it the schedule ahead is brutal mm -hmm. right let's see what the kid could do right now i ask you this what would you guys think if he goes through this stretch and he balls i'm not saying we have to win every game <laughs> yeah but you but you say we didn't lose because of taylor heineke we lost yeah. because maybe our defense or we lost because of dustin sorry ass hopkins who I hate. <laughs> if you follow me you know i can't stand the dude i hate him that's so funny if there's it, that's what that's what i'm interested to see because i'm willing to give him a chance but he's done everything that's been asked of him he wasn't named the starter He's he came in cold and he's 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 leading our team and the one thing is the offense who has been dormant for years he is he single-handedly has brought it to life mm -hmm. and he's getting guys to believe in him and getting behind him and the team is even getting behind him think of last year Chase Young with the Heineke thing right like mm -hmm. when you start bringing that infectious attitude into the locker room and you bring in the cohesiveness and everybody comes together so people like that are irreplaceable so I don't know what he's gonna do. I am a mm -hmm. fan of him. I'm rooting for him. Um, again, I still, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I, I want us to get a first-round quarterback. Mm -hmm. But but if he ends up being a balder and being the guy for us, I'm not going to be upset either because there's exceptions to every rule. There's a Drew Brees's. You know, uh, Manny had mentioned Russell Wilson. J J.D. McKissick called him a baby Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, there's one thing that not a lot of guys have, and it's called being a gamer. And mm -hmm. to me, to me, so far from what I've seen, he's a straight up gamer. The yeah. lights are on. Let's go. He doesn't care about the pressure. He doesn't see anything else. Let's keep it rolling. He's confident. And, and you just see it in his eyes. When he when they show him looking at Scott Turner for the plays, he just looks, I'm hungry. I'm ready. I'm focused. Let's go. And just being an athlete in my life and just seeing people like that, when they have that look and he's got that moxie, he just has a lot of intangibles that I really like about him. I'm excited for him. I'm rooting for him. No matter what happens, I, I just hope that he keeps the roller coaster ride going because it's really been fun, man. We've we've had a, a crappy offense for years, and it's just fun to see us put up thirty points. It's it sad. Is. It's sad as it a is. franchise that we have to say like, how many times can you think in the last ten years when we're dropping thirty points? Ten years, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, it, it, it's been that bad, man. So, um, I'm it, it, it's it's taken a guy that has come off his 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 sister's couch to pretty much get us going that way. So I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he does great. But um, we'll see, like like Nate said, we'll see later on down the road. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep it going, but 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 I definitely am rooting for him and I hope and I hope he does well for us cuz he's he's the one thing keeping our our season alive and exciting right now because the 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 one piece we thought we were going to rely on the defense, they're not doing what they need to be doing right now and thank gosh that this guy is doing what he can because like you guys mentioned before, we could be 0 and 4 instead of 2 and 2. No, exactly right, man. It's crazy to think. So I think he does bring some excitement to our team. One thing I put actually tweeted this a couple of days ago, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there was a nine game, um, nine game streak where they scored 30 points or more. And it's like, we are like, we averaged one a year for the past five years of 30 point games. And now we have two out of the first four games. So, you know, God bless this. And um, we talk about baby Russell Wilson and things like that. Uh, one of my friends on Twitter, you guys know, um, you know Rutskin Rant, Burgundy Rant. He calls him Aldi's Brett Favre, and I'll take that for now. It's actually pretty funny right there. So I like that one. So hopefully he can hold it down. So I do like I do like the gamer in Taylor Heineke. Hopefully he can hold it down. Um, 
very proud of him. So hopefully he can kind of continue this moving forward. And um, kind of finish off my thought with that, Han was um, Hans was basically. Um, I do think that Heineke can continue the rest of the year. I think he deserves the right to come, you know, can play as long as he's not injured. Even when Ryan Fitzpatrick's back, you know, let him have it. He earned the right. Um, proponents of Taylor Heineke are like, you know what? This is only his fifth start. He is still growing and still developing. And even if he does ball out, I think we have him under contract for next year too. So we can still draft a rookie, keep him in house, and just see what happens. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have options, especially at the quarterback position. So we'll see how that goes. Um, speaking of big points, right? We talked about 30 point games. And guys, believe it or not, two out of the last three games, we scored 30 points as Washington's offense. Taylor Heineke has been guiding that. But um, I kind of proposed this on Twitter. I put a Twitter poll out. I don't know if you guys saw this at all. But I said, like, is it time to start giving Scott Turner some credit? Like, Scott Turner has been, you know, blind, you know, people have been putting him down and not necessarily confident in basically his abilities. But, you know, two out of three games, we're starting to create an offense. Um, as Manny mentioned, we have limited options. Diami Brown really hasn't contributed that early this year. Logan Thomas has been hurt. We have Antonio, you know, we have um, Antonio Gibson doing okay. And Terry McLaurin's holding it down. But is Scott Turner showing you guys something so far? Are you guys establishing confidence in him? Or are you still in a wait-and-see approach? Where do you guys feel on that? Um, on my Twitter poll, I had 185 votes. 83.2% said they are more confident in Scott Turner. They, they should, we should be giving him credit. Um, I see Nate smiling right now. Nate's a stat guy. Well, let's kind of start off with you, Nate. What are you thinking about this? Nobody loves offense more than me. Um, <laughs> but I will say, like, in general, general consensus – People totally overrate offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. They have way less of an impact than you think they do. Um, the very best ones have a huge impact, right? Your Andy Reeds, your Sean mm -hmm. Payton's. Most of them, they're they're in between. They're right in that margin there. There's some really bad ones, you know, your Adam Gases and uh, your Matt <laughs> Nagy's and stuff like that. But yeah. I think people overrate it. Like it, it, the simplest way I could break it down and split it up. The games where quarterbacks for Washington have played well, where they've had good performances, Scott Turner has looked awesome. Um, so think about it. How many games last year was that? That was what, what I think about. I think about the Bucks game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Um, so so really, it's it's more on the players to me. Like, yeah, you want a good offensive coordinator, but he does the things I like. Like they run a high paced offense. They run a lot of plays. Um, they do no huddle. Uh, they use a lot of play action. They throw the ball a lot more than they run the ball. Um, so those are things I like. Things I don't like. I, I don't like ever running the ball on second and long or, or third and long. Like after a negative play, you should never run the ball. It's just stupid. Y your percentage of converting to another first down is so much lower when you do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I like Scott Turner. I think I, I like the way he creates mismatches, um, and, and I'm hopeful for him in the future. But to me, he's kind of just a middle-of-the-road coordinator. Like, I don't really know his impact because I've really never seen a good quarterback performance before. I've only seen it a few times. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the quarterback controls it because they have the ball in their hands more. You know, like they actually control it. They execute it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Like, I like Turner, but uh, it's kind of hard to say for me. I got you. Some things to consider. I think we are 31st in the league for our third down conversions. I think we were averaging 30% of converting those plays. So we do kind of lack that elite kind of game, to, you know, taking over a game third down conversion aspect. But we are pretty elite on fourth downs. I think we are five for seven for the year for about 70%. So we're doing a good job with that. So, um, you know, Manny, what do you think? How do you feel about Scott Turner so far? Are you happy with our offense? Are you still kind of eh about him, middle of the pack kind of guy? How are you feeling? So with Scott Turner, man, I'm still not impressed. If you look at the games that we just won mm -hmm. this year, the game versus the Giants, 
I think Terry McLaurin had 15 targets for 11 receptions and 100 plus yards, right? Mm -hmm. So you see that game was Terry. That was mm -hmm. a Terry game. It's, it's like, it's not really much you can scheme or do. It's Terry. He's that good. You look at the Buffalo game. Where was those targets? If he's such a good offensive coordinator, are you telling me you couldn't scheme your best player open or you can get him involved? You look at the first game. Where were the targets to Terry? Like, it just does not make sense. So I've come up with something um, on my pod. I said, if you can get Terry the ball 15 times a game, obviously it's not feasible. There's going to be different variables. It's going to be different mm -hmm. things, double teams, triple teams, that prevent you from getting him the ball. But if you can get him the ball 15 times, and you saw the last game, I believe it was maybe up to 13 or 14 targets. Maybe it was 13 targets, and he caught um, – I believe he caught six receptions. So when you look Nate, at you got the number, Nate? I think Nate has a number to help you okay. out, Manny. No, I was – real quick. If you guys had to guess how many targets has Terry averaged in his first two years in the league, how many targets do you think he's averaged per game? I will say six. Five. Seven. Yeah, exactly, Manny. So seven. there you go. Good Thank you. So, so the formula, if we want to win more games, get this guy to double-digit targets. You look at the game like Nate was talking about, um, the game versus – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Terry had seven targets, six receptions, 75 yards. Mm -hmm. So maybe, I'm just saying, maybe if he was targeted maybe a few more times, maybe we have a better chance of winning the game. There should be no reason why Cam Sims was targeted 13 times, seven receptions. Thank God he was catching the ball at least this time. He, you know, seven <laughs> yeah, receptions. Man. And really, that's what sold me on, that's what sold me on Taylor Heineke. I said, if he can make Cam Sims look this good, if he can make Stephen Sims look good, even Jeremy Sprinkle had a catch. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, yeah, it, like Sprinkle. the creativeness of Scott <laughs> Turner, I have not been impressed <laughs> with the personnel that we have. There's some guys that can go deep. There's some there's some different things that we can do, and maybe it's the personnel grouping that we have, but I've just not been impressed. I've just not been impressed with the offense, even when we are playing well. That's a good – yeah. I, I don't know. It, Taylor Heineke magic and Terry catching the ball. Outside of that, what do we have? You're exactly, and, and Mary, to your point, I don't know if you know this at all, but 50, like over 50% of Taylor Heineke's throws were to Terry McLaurin last week, and no other wide receiver had more than 24 yards receiving. It was only Terry McLaurin's dominating, right? Like, you know, J.D. McKissick had that big run, but that's about it. So, um, you know, we are kind of force-feeding Terry. It's all we really have on offense, and I'm not sure if it's because we're not scheming it correctly or if it's whether Taylor Heineke just knows who he has. I don't really know what's going on, but it's something to discover right there. Hans, you were kind of like rubbing your hands pretty enthusiastic about this. How you feeling? How you feel about Scott? Turner? Yeah, man, because I'm a talker, <laughs> man, and I hate going last. And I went last the last two questions, and I was like, was Come like, on, call me, man. I'm ready. Tag me <laughs> in. Tag me in. Let's go. You're so, in, man. Let's do so it. Look, man, I hear what y'all are saying, but let me let me let me give you something to, to chew on real quick. Listen to okay. this, all right? Okay. Let's think back to the short career of Scott Turner as an offensive coordinator, right? Wasn't Carolina, wasn't Washington. Two things they have in common. What does he have on offense? Mm -hmm. No quarterback. What mm -hmm. receivers? What receivers? Please tell me, besides Terry McLaurin. DJ Moore is, yeah, he's doing his thing. I mean, they're coming along now when you got Matt Rule and, and you got uh, Sam Darnold throwing him the ball. <clears> but, yeah. like, the offensive weapons that he had, he, they didn't have tight ends. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we did help develop Logan Thomas, so you got to give him a check on that, right? Yep. Um, we knocked him last year because Terry didn't get the ball enough. What has he mm -hmm. done this year? He improved on that. We complained to him about him last year on that, and what did he do? He turned around. He's getting Terry the ball, right? Mm -hmm. Does he does he need to improve? Absolutely. Let's also think last year. 
Think about the carousel of quarterbacks. Who the hell's going to win with that garbage that we had out there? Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of scrubs rotating every week. You can't mm-hmm. build any consistency. How mm-hmm. does a play caller, especially a young play caller, get used to a quarterback and build that rapport with him and what he likes, what he sees, how he sees the defense, how he sees the field? How do you build that if there's no consistency on the offense? What receivers did we have? We have Camsons coming in and out, guys stepping in from practice squads last year. I mean, you got to factor all that in. Now that we actually have – we haven't even gotten him Curtis Samuel on, on a full-time basis. So I want to see when he has time, when he has weapons, and when he has a quarterback. You cannot – the NFL is not for long. I'm not saying he's going to get that much time, but you, we have to take that into account when we're thinking about a Scott Turner. I'm going to tell you, there's been people posting plays of opportunities from the Giants games and other games, and there's guys – yes, yes, I'm here, buddy. I'm talking about <laughs> Scott Turner, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like and, – and, and guys are straight up open, wide open down the field for big plays, but Heineke didn't see it. That's because he's probably still getting accustomed to the offense. The game's moving fast. He's, t- he's just trying to make the play. Remember, we were talking about a lot about Tater Heineke doing a lot of checkdowns too, even though he took shots, right? And he wasn't looking down the field, especially in the Giants game. That's the game I'm, I'm mainly talking about. Um, yeah. So you have to give Scott Turner time. My knock on him is that I don't feel we run the ball as much. Mm-hmm. I, like to me, when I see a guy like Antonio Gibson and you're comparing him over and over and over him to Christian McCaffrey, well, let's get him rolling, baby. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're getting all this carousel of quarterback, get that guy going, make him a weapon, respect the run, and then off the play action, like Nathan said, now we're getting players even even more wide open. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that Scott Turner is the man and he's the best, but he comes from good genes. He comes from a, a, a genius offensive coordinator dad who, who mm-hmm. taught him a lot of stuff. But I can't, I can't say that we can fully judge the guy because if you look at his short career, there's not much – that he's had to work with. And, and that's mm-hmm. not his fault. Well, you can't fault him for that. Obviously, Ron Rivera is a guy that we we said he's not an X's and O's guy, but he tries to put a staff around him that's good and knows what they're doing. And for him to have faith in Scott Turner and to bring him over, he must have seen something really good in him. Yeah. So, so um, I'm not saying he's the best thing ever. I'm not saying we're going to keep him long term. But I do like the progression that we are making and I think that the day that we could fully judge him is when we have a more complete offense, whether it's a set quarterback or more pieces of weapons like De'Ami Brown develops, uh, Logan Thomas comes back from injury, all those type of things. Um, then I think that we can we can fully say, hey, this is what we think about Scott Turner as an offensive coordinator. Now, Hans, you sold me, man. You definitely uh, – that was a great point. Last year's rotating carousel with quarterbacks. We had, what, Dwayne Haskins. We had, you know, one-legged Alex Smith, Kyle Allen for a couple games, and Heineke at the end. I think it is unfair to kind of snap judge Scott Turner right now. Um, you may think – I mean, I could do you in one second. He, you may think that he you – know, he might not be that Andy Reid, Sean Payton love. He'd probably be revealed that by now. However, maybe week eight, week nine, having, like – having that long stretch of quarterback play with Taylor Heineke to develop things around him, maybe that's a true assessment at that point. And then finally, before I get to Manny, I know that North Turner's have actually been observing and watching um, at Ashburn and kind of giving him some tips. And you never know, maybe they're developing and working on some gameplay together there too. That's something to keep an eye on. So Manny, chime in real quick. I want to hear from Tony. Go ahead, Manny. You muted, Manny. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, but Ron Rivera was fired from – um, the Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just from what people say, I have not really gotten into it and researched, but they said that 
it was not until Scott Turner and Ron were gone that you saw a major upgrade or major performance from Curtis Samuel. I don't know if you guys noticed that, the mm-hmm. way that he was used compared mm-hmm. to how he was used when Scott Turner was there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the same. I mean, you can talk about quarterback play. You can talk about, but hey, they do have something called Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, I look at a lot of different things. I'm like, okay, so, you know, Scott Turner was here with Curtis Samuel, and he was not producing, like, he was not producing pretty much. Then he leaves, and then all of a sudden, Curtis Samuel becomes more dynamic in this. I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping it's different here in D.C., but just a little something that I've noticed or that I've seen and heard. No, that's a very good take, honestly. And the knock that I've heard and I've read is that, you know, that differential, like, you know, Matt Rule compared to Scott Turner, is that Curtis Samuel, when when Scott Turner left, they shifted him more to the slot position. And that's basically where he was predominantly used. And that, honestly, closer to the line of scrimmage, it allows for more jet sweeps, for more touches in his hands. Like, he's a dynamic player with the ball in his hands. I wouldn't say he's a, like a nuanced route runner or, like, you know, he has straight line speed, but he isn't a route runner like Terry McLaurin. So I think the fact that he could actually be near the line and catch those little dump-offs and whatever he could catch and then create open up an opportunity for him to shine. So I do think that's what I was hoping from Curtis Seaman when he got here. My my dream was Curtis Samuel would come here, be the slot. Diami could basically be that wide receiver too on the boundary. We could have that balance, but it, you know it hasn't happened yet after a month. So we'll see how the rest of the year goes and next year goes. But I think that was the big knock there. So Tony, so, so, I, I just want to just throw this. I'm sorry, Tony. Sorry, um, Tony. <laughs> this is the only thing though. Think about this. You guys talked about like the like George brought up like the Andy Reid types, the Sean Payton types. To me, Joe Brady is going to be that type of guy as an mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. To me, that's a difference. Like Scott Turner's not going to be on that level. Like you said, George, we would have seen mm-hmm. it by now. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not saying he's not he's he's not going to be really really good, but he's mm-hmm. not going to be on Joe Brady's level. Joe Brady's mm-hmm. the hot name. He's probably going to be a head coach very soon. Yeah. And to me, he's going to have an impact like a Sean Payton, like a Andy Reid type guy. So that to me would be the difference because between because a guy like that can take on a, a, a rookie like Burrow and, and make him really good or like a, a quarterback like Sam Darnold and re-resurrect his career, mm-hmm. things of that of that nature. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when he was at LSU, um, um, his, his one, his senior year, he became the number one draft pick, Burrow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, that's something special. A guy mm-hmm. like that, when you turn things out and you fix a guy's career like Sam Darnold in the first four games, you got him looking like Joe Montana over here. Yeah, <laughs> that, is a spe- that is a special offensive coordinator. So that to me yeah. is a difference between between the two. Sorry, Tony. That's all good. So Tony, what do you got? No, no worries, guys. Yeah, no, I think um, you know fairly well. But what I would add was on the, on the something was, was going to be my kind of main thrust was that I want to see what Turner does if Samuel is fully healthy now. Now, obviously, Thomas is going to be out for a few weeks, so that's going to restrict things a little bit from that regard. But, um, you know, like, hell, it'd be good to see him playing with a full deck um, and see what he can, you know, produce. And um, going back to Nate's point, though, earlier on, you know, the players play ultimately as well, so they have to make the play. So, to me, in, in very simple, sort of basic terms, a good offensive coordinator's got to devise schemes that's going to get the ball in the hands of his best players somehow you know in our case that's obviously terry it's gibson it was it was logan until he went down um and that's where the samuel factor is going to come in and it'll be really interesting to see how he integrates that with some of those other guys now just in general terms i mean obviously in what you know we've seen some of the the, the great offensive minds come through you know 
we've had McVeigh, we've had Shanahan, we've had Lafleur. You know, all these guys have been through Washington in the last decade um, and and gone on to to make their names as as head coaches in other places. I don't think Turner's on that level. Uh, certainly not at the moment. Whether he ever gets there is debatable. Um, but yeah, I think the, he's doing okay. The offense is better than it was last year, from what I can see at the moment. Uh, give him that, yeah, for um, sure. But it's still got a way to go. No, I give him that for sure. I definitely was like, you know, last year, you know, last week I was kind of daydreaming, like, what would happen if we fought a one and three and one and four? Like, how the season kind of unravel? And I was wondering which defensive coordinator would get fired first, right? Would it be Jack Del Rio? Or would it be Scott Turner? And I have no idea which would, would happen right now. I think maybe. Jack Del Rio has higher expectations with the talent that he has on the side of the ball, but um, you never know. I think Scott Turner's proven something this year. I do want to see how it develops. I want to see the next couple of weeks and get to week eight, week nine, and kind of see where we're at at that point. So let's kind of pivot. We kind of talked about the Falcons, talked about our offense so far, but on in New Orleans, right? So we have a game. Um, you know, when you look at this at the New Orleans game before the season started, you'd be a little bit intimidated. Like, you know, the Saints, you know, high reputation, you know, deep playoff runs year after year. They used to have Drew Brees, but now we have Jameis Winston there, and they're sitting at two and two. And I think um, that loss to the Giants last week kind of put a little chink in the armor, and they're not as intimidating as we may have thought earlier going into the year, right? So I'll start off with Tony because I know we kind of put you in the back burner for the last question, Tony. What do you think, right? Do you think Washington has a chance this Sunday, okay? And what would be the key to success for Washington to beat New Orleans next week or this week? Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think we have a chance. I mean, I think, as you said there, George, compared to the start of the season, I think now, you know, we've got a better chance where we are. I don't think, I don't think New Orleans, I don't think New Orleans is the the New Orleans of. Uh, um, of Drew Brees clearly anymore. Um, mm -hmm. You know, offensively mm -hmm. they're struggling a little bit. Um, you know, they're pretty defensively. I've got a couple of things, sort of general things, and then a couple of specific things. Sort of the, the general stuff, I guess, is, is to some extent it's fairly obvious uh, around certainly defensively around just cutting down on the blown assignments and cutting down on the miscommunication and guys running free down the field. You know, if we can just play basic, solid, specific things, really. For me, as I said, they've not been. They, yeah. I mean, they've not been great offensively, um, but you know, Taysom Hill, we have to stop Taysom Hill in the zone. Um, you know, when Taysom Hill comes in in the red zone, he's devastating. Um, some of our tackles in last zone left a hell of a lot to be <laughs> desired. And if you, if you tackle Taysom Hill like that, you know, you're going to be you're going to be shipping seven points straight, straight away. <laughs> Same goes for Kamara. Um, now, come on, on, I was looking at his stats today. He's actually been targeted uh, in the passing game the, the least of his career at the moment. Um, you know, he's talking about, you know, I can't remember the stat, but it was something like three or four, four or five targets in the game, um, which is which is way down on his career average. Now, having seen the way that some of our coverage has been, some of the linebackers in the field being open, that's a concern. So, those two players specifically trying to trying to get them out. I don't, I don't think that you know. Obviously, Michael Thomas isn't in at the moment. So if we can cut down those two guys, big thing for me. Keys. No, I agree. I think. 
No, I agree. I think with the New Orleans, definitely kind of um, the perspective has changed over the years. Like you've always been known for being an offensive fire, but you know, powerhouse and just dominant. But I think honestly, to me, maybe I'm kind of speaking out of line. I think the Saints' defense is kind of becoming more intimidating, more of like a factor for me. They have you know Marshawn Lattimore, Demario Davis, Cameron Jordan. They have a pretty solid defense as well. And it's, it's funny without Michael Thomas, without Drew Brees, their offensive like weapons are kind of like. I don't really, they're not really intimidating to me. Like, who Marquez Callaway is a wide receiver? Like, I mean, who do you got right there? So, and like, I do see Taysom Hill as more of like a scrambling quarterback. And we shown that with Daniel Jones. We saw that with other, you know, Josh Allen that kind of struggles with that. But um, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be more of a defensive battle. Like, I, I'm, my fear is that this, we're going to see Taylor Heineke make some mistakes this week as opposed to our defense being pushed around. So we'll see what happens. But Manny, what do you think? I mean, do you think we got a chance on Sunday? And what's the key to success? I definitely think we have a chance on Sunday. Um, you guys talk about Taysom Hill. If the New Orleans Saints are smart, hopefully they're, they're not watching this podcast because I'm about to give them <laughs> the formula to how they can destroy the football team, especially in the red zone. Mm-hmm. If you are a smart football team, what you do is you put Taysom Hill in that Cordero Patterson role. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is make him a running back. If you make him a running back and throw any sort of screen pass, so you just have him do it like a little out. Like the key is Taysom Hill. If they want to destroy us, use Taysom Hill more so as a running back. You don't even have to disguise it as a, oh, it's a wildcat play or whatever. Line him up as a running back. Hand him the ball. You know, use him on screens and things of that nature. The Saints are a funny team. This is why I say what I say. Like you say. Marquez Callaway, you know, you have Deontay Harris, I believe that's his name. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You, know, you yeah. have all these speedsters. They have a whole bunch of speedsters, and we know mm-hmm. that Jameis Winston has the arm talent. Mm-hmm. Now, that does not mean he has the smart talent because sometimes he makes those crazy passes, but so far this year he's been under control. So what I we we laugh at we laugh at Callaway, but hey, the way that we've been getting toasted on the outside, it just takes a sliver of hope. And Jameis Winston having just a little bit of time in the pocket to just throw a 50-50 chance. Nine times out of ten, the way this defense is playing, it can be big day for them. But we also talk about Kamara being targeted less. If they are a smart team, you target Kamara more this game because that middle of that field is wide open. And now, with Bostic not being here, does that make this defense better or worse? Like, I think Bostic was probably the worst linebacker in the NFL this season. And I'm pretty sure that Nate can pull up the numbers and give us the facts and give us the stats. Like, it was just horrible. So I like our chances. The Saints do have a very good defense, but I like our chances. I think if, like you said, uh, if Taylor Heineke takes care of the ball, because he's going to make mistakes, but if if he does not make mistakes, I love our chances. If he throws a pick or two, hey, defense can't do anything, so we got to be in the plus in the turnover margin. And Manny, there are stats to back up that John Bosick was one of the worst coverage linebackers in the entire NFL. His PFF coverage grade is 29.4. It's 29.4. I'm older than his PFF grade right now. Um, his overall grade is a 30.2. His run defense is a 47.7. And, you know, I love the guy. He's a cognizant player. He's a he's a good guy, as we kind of say around here in Washington football. But I don't know about his talent on the field. So we'll see the improvement. Yeah, you, don't, so, you don't even need stats. You just need eyes. You just need eyes. Not- not stats. Exactly right. Exactly right. If you've, you've got eyes, if you've got eyes, it tells you all you need to know. 
Exactly right. Nate, what do you got, man? How do you feel about this game? Speaking of eyes, my boy, Jameis, he got the LASIK surgery, son. I'm telling you. No. So if you've watched the Saints like I have, what they've done the past four games is take the ball out of Jameis's hands as much as possible. Uh, they're limiting pass attempts, and they're running the ball a bunch, which for me, great. If they do that to us, I would love that because our pass defense is bottom three in the NFL. They're trash, okay? Um, on top of that, you talked a lot about like Alvin Kamara. So the reason he doesn't have a lot of targets is because running back targets are mostly dependent on the quarterback and then the route runner itself. So Kamara is a great route runner. He gets open at will. But if the quarterback just doesn't target running backs a lot, it's kind of how it goes. And that Jameis isn't a guy who's traditionally passed a lot to running backs. They should, but they don't. Um, um, so the Saints, when you look at their skill players too, like they don't use their tight ends a lot. They have they have like Juwan Johnson and they have Adam Trotman. Neither one of them are really like pass catching threats that much. They have Deontay Harris. I don't know about Michael Thomas. And then you have Marcus Callaway, who's disappointed. Um, so their offense isn't really that scary, to be honest, but you're talking about one of the best play cars in the league. Um, we should be afraid if they're going to pass the ball a lot. And that, if I was the Saints, I would pass the ball on every play because they have a great offensive line. Our pass rush can't get home. Um, so I would be passing the ball constantly, and that's how I would beat us. But on top of that, like, you know, two-edged sword, the more they pass the ball, Jameis historically has a high interception rate, and we need some turnovers. We're not getting a lot of turnovers. So that's what we're going to have to do. And then on offense, like, can't turn over the ball, got to use a lot of play action. Um, Antonio Gibson, um, I don't need to give him 20 carries. I don't need to run him into the stack fronts over and over. That doesn't do anything for me. When he does get the ball, he's fantastic. He rates in the top five in juke rate, yards created. You know, he's elusive as hell. But I want to create one-on-one -on -one opportunities, not one-on-eight opportunities. So I want to get him in space. And guess what? He only has four touches in the red zone so far. That's like 46 among all running backs. He needs more touches in the red zone and more, like, targets and catches. He can create those easy opportunities to just score that way. But that's something I'd like to see. The way to do that is to have more 21 personnel where we have two running backs on the field at the same time. What that does is it forces the defense to play in their base defense, and then we can pass the ball with our two running backs who can pass catch. That's kind of what I want to see, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So. No, I got you. I was actually looking at some stats from uh, this last game against the Giants. So Saints against the Giants, the leading um, targets were Deontay Harris from Jameis Winston. Um, you know, one person that we kind of overlooked that does have that Cordell Patterson role is a Ty Montgomery. He has on the Saints, so he might be that flexible position that can be out of the backfield. Um, I do like Taysom Hill. I do think he can probably be more of a tight end spot. But for me, I would never take Alvin Kamara off the field, though. Like, I'll put Taysom, Taysom Hill as tight end. Alvin Kamara, feed him. But you're right. I don't, like, for, like Jamin, Jameis Winston is more of, like, he'll take deep shots every single game. And one person we have to contain would be Marcus Callaway, who's at that burner. And we just got to make sure that, like, you know, as a safety, you're always as deep as the deepest man. I don't know why Bobby McCain will bite on that, you know, bite on that Kyle Pitts and basically right over the top. We just got to watch out for that deep shot over there. But um, Hans, what do you got, man? How do you feel about the Saints? What's the key to the game? Yeah, I hope the Aints show up and not the Saints. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I got I got to give Nathan a, 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 some props because I love that idea. We need to get him to hook up with Scott Turner. I love the two running backs on the field. Why we don't have McKissick and Gibson and Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin all on the field at the same time? I mean, we talked about that in in preseason a lot. Hopefully, that's something that we have up our sleeve and that we bring out. Um, Obviously, Sean Payton is a smart man. He's going to watch the film. I know we're hoping they don't throw, but I'm sure they're going to switch it up. You know, another thing that worries me is the fact that we're coming off a high off of beating a crappy team. 
all right, and our heads might still be in the clouds, and the Saints just lost a bad game, and they're going to be hungry. So we're too high. They're hungry. That's a bad combination for us. So we got to watch out for that um, <clears throat> mentally uh, for the game. But defensively, George, I got to agree with you. The Saints have 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 a, a really good defense. They've become more of a defense team, team than an offensive team. When Jameis goes to pass the ball, we have to create pressure because we've all seen what happens when Jameis Winston has pressure in his face. He becomes a turnover machine, and he and 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 um. When you have those old habits, they come back whenever you start doing those type of schemes on him. Um, I feel that our Taylor has to just keep staying the same way, keep playing within himself, keep the offense going, progressing. Um, but to me, it's more about our defense showing up and doing what they got to do. The offense is, is, is doing as much as they can with, with not much. Uh, they're, doing, they're exceeding all of our expectations. We've all said that, right? So if they can just keep doing what they're doing, our defense needs to come up and step up. Another thing is, too, we need to play a safety over Kendall Fuller all day, every day. Protect that guy because, gosh, he is getting roasted and toasted on everything. And you, he's, he's a liability, man. We all like him. But it's crazy because he's such a young player and you can't wrap your head around How does a guy lose speed? in only like four or five year career. It, it boggles my mind when I think about it, but I mean, it's 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 the truth. We paid him money. He's not going to come off the field. He's going to play. We lost, um, what's his name, McTire, I think. What, am I saying his name right? Eric? Right? Uh, yeah. We yeah, lost yeah. him for the year, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I, I feel like our defense has to show up. Our linebackers have to show up because all the points that you guys said, right, in the run game, that that is really concerning to me. If we can't stop the run, because we're down a linebacker who can't pass cover, but he does help in run support. Um, and all of our other linebackers are fairly young. You still got Holcomb. Um, you got now Davis is gonna have to play more snaps. Um, you know, and whoever they rotate within within that other third linebacker spot. But I, I really feel a lot of this game is gonna have to be our defense supporting because. The Saints are going to make some plays on Taylor Heineke. I hate to say it. I feel like he is going to turn the ball over. Um, the Falcons' defense is not the Saints' defense. You know, just like the Giants' defense was not the Chargers' defense, and it definitely wasn't the Bills' defense. You know, so we're going to have some challenges on offense. I And I feel like if, if we keep the game close and we have the ball towards the end, we can win the game. You know, just as long as we're doing what we have to do on our end, but – Defense, defense has to show out. I feel like that's the key to the game. That is where the, the game is going to be won or lost for us. Um, and it's sad to say it because we never would have thought we'd be saying that. But uh, I really feel that that's where the high impact is for us uh, when it comes to this game. I'm with you, man. I think uh, that's kind of the name of the game. I think the formula for this year is to kind of keep the game within reach. You know, about a field goal, maybe a touchdown, and just put the ball put the ball in Taylor Heineke's hands and try to basically win the game at the end, right? Keep the game close. I think if we fall too far behind, we kind of see what happened in Buffalo, and things kind of get ugly quickly, right? Yeah. So let's do this. Let's kind of uh, we you know we're at the hour mark. Let's do some rapid fire two minute questions. We'll be out here in a couple minutes, right? So first of all, let's do this score predictions. Who's going to win on Sunday? We we'll start off with you, Manny. What do you got? I have the Washington Football Team twenty to seventeen. 20 to 17. All right, man, you got the W right there. Tony, what do you got? Yeah, I got uh, I got Washington to take it 
There we go. All right, two for Devin, two for Washington, okay? Nasty Nate, what do you got, man? Uh, Saints, 27, Washington, 21. Okay, 20, okay, there you go. Hans, what do you got? I was actually going to go Washington, 28, 24, but the other score that was in my head was Washington, 28, uh, Saints, 21. All right. We'll take that. We'll take that as well. I'll take those wins, guys. I'm kind of with Nate right now. I got the 20, I got 27, 24 Saints is what I got right now. But hopefully we can fill off the upset. I'll love to get to three and two and then come with the Chiefs. That'd be kind of nice. That'll give us kind of like a little waiver to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. I don't realistically see us beating the Chiefs, but it'd be kind of nice to have that one game going in three and two as opposed to two and three is a big difference in my opinion. Okay. Last question, and we'll wrap it all up. If you were the if you were coach Ron Rivera, would you cut Dustin Hopkins from the team? I'll start with Hans because I know what he's gonna say. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. man, listen, man. Listen, I'm a, anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge University of Miami Hurricanes fan. Yeah. All right. I know you guys saw me repping Brevin Jordan uh for, for the draft, but I'm gonna make it quick. I'm gonna make it quick, man. There's a guy in Tampa who won the Lou Girls Award who was the kicker of the year. His name is Borregales, Jose Borregales. Mm-hmm. He's sitting on the practice squad of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I know we just brought a kicker in, blew it. T- terrible name for a kicker, by the way. Awful name for to, to be to be on the practice squad, and that to me is just like, what are you doing? You're not really putting any pressure mm-hmm. on Dustin Hopkins. Rivera preaches competition at every position, and he is yet to bring somebody to challenge that man. And mm-hmm. I am telling you right now, he needs to cut Dustin Hopkins. He needs a chance, take a chance on Jose Borregales. I mean. What what do we have to lose? Yes, there's no consistency in the league with kickers. So what do you have to lose? This guy's not, the stat about he came out about what kickers are you going to find that are better and I who's going to kick and who's going to kick at eighty percent. But let me yeah. tell you something, Ron. Eighty percent don't matter because what matters is game winning or game tying field goals. Yeah. That's where you get judged as a kicker. You have one job: <laughs> make the damn field goal. And when it's pressure, dude, if it's fifty yards or plus, he's going to miss. We all knew it. Yeah, Everybody felt it. In the Giants game, I know you felt it. I yeah. know you knew. You were like, this guy's going to miss this kick. And what did you do? Mm-hmm. He missed the kick. He got lucky because yeah. he got another one. And it's probably, hopefully, well, for him, saved his job. But, yes, absolutely, 100%. Get rid of him. He's a scrub. He's been inconsistent <laughs> way too long. He's cost us way too many games, starting back to the Cincinnati game in London. Get rid of the guy. Bring somebody else, man. It's like keeping that same old girlfriend who keeps cheating on you, but you're just blinded <laughs> because you love her so damn much. Stop being an idiot, Ron. Get rid of Dustin Hopkins. I was at the Cincinnati <laughs> game in London. Saying, he, I was at the Cincinnati game in London. He ruined my weekend. Yeah, I know, right? So would you cut him, Tony? What are you thinking? Well, it's getting to that stage now. I mean, the, the thing with Hopkins was he was always kind of supposed to be sort of money from about 40, 40 and in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But now two extra points. I mean, obviously points are, you know, what, 32, 33 yards. So if he's going to start missing kicks of that length, then, yeah, we've got to – it's going to cost us a game. It should have cost us a game or it could have cost us a game on Sunday. Um, and when the margins of victory and defeat are, are that narrow, um, yeah, you, he's, he's definitely on his last chance. Manny, what do you got? Yeah, I'm with the rest of you guys. I think he has to go. He has to go. Not a fan. I support him. I've been supporting this guy, but um, he makes me look bad. You know, like I think after like the Giants game, I'm like, there we go. He's the guy. And then he comes to ATL and stinks it up. So but I think at this point in the season, I think they want to rock with him just to get that continue, whatever, you know, get just get the guys continuity. together. Yeah, continuity going. So I'll say right now, no. 
but he needs to like after this this is his last season mm-hmm. i do not want to see him leading us next year so <laughs> if we don't get rid of him now then by the end of the season goodbye gotcha <clears throat> Nate, do you care to chime in or you don't really worry about kickers yeah, I, you know, I don't care about that stuff, but uh, <laughs> I will say like, hey, like the Saints and Sean Payton, like situational football, he's always one of the best at situational football. And you would hate mm-hmm. for this game to come down to a field goal or an extra point and you lose. Mm-hmm. But I will say like, how many field goals has he missed this year? How many field goals has Hopkins missed? Like, I want to say it's just one, right? I think it's maybe uh, he had that one, you know, with the Giants game. I think clearly. Seven, he's seven out of eight. Is he not? Yeah. That's not that bad. I mean, I, like, I understand, like, he missed some extra points, but, like, maybe there's someone better on someone's practice squad. I don't go that in-depth. I mean, I like that. I like that scouting report about Atlanta. Yeah, there um, you go. Like, I like that too, huh? That's good, I think yeah. people probably overblow it a little bit, but, like, God, you would hate for the game to come down to one play from Hopkins and he blows it. But mm-hmm. I think in the in the Giants game, did he not kind of redeem himself too? He did at some yeah. point, and he came. You know, he had that yeah, one missed kick, and he made it back. But that was I a gift. That was a gift. He nearly, he, 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 he nearly missed the second kick as well. He only just squeezed in. The, the problem that we're gonna, the, the problem we're going to have with Hopkins is the only way we're going to get rid of him now during this season is if he costs us a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like a yeah. blessing and a curse. I yeah. mean, maybe hopefully he writes the ship. I think honestly, like. Nate, you're right. I think he's seven to eight for the season, but like he's still, it's a like ha- it's happenstance. We, you know, but he missed the field goals in the preseason game, missed field goals like that are taken back and things like that. Like we're seeing it's not consistent. You know, we're just kind of seeing some falls there. Many, what do you got? And I think his range to be realistic is 46 yards. Anything more than 46 yards is 50 50 chance. It's really 30%, 20% chance that he makes that kick. I was at a sports bar watching the Giants game, and I told the people behind me. I said, okay, this is, a, what, a 40-something yard? I think it was like a 47 or whatever whatever it was. I said, this is out of his range. I looked at the Giants fan, and I said, congratulations on your win. He <laughs> missed it. Then guess what the penalty? Uh-oh, it's in his range. It's within his range. It's within 40 to 44 yards. That's what, that's his comfort zone. And guess what? He makes it. So I'm with Hans on this. If it's a field goal, if it has a 50 if it has a 47 it five in front it's over even if it's 47 and 47 and beyond yeah you can almost guarantee that the chances of that field goal kick going in is next to nothing so exactly and that's why his numbers are that that's why his numbers are the way they are because he's a lot of his kicks are in that comfort zone of his you know because i think that all anybody who's coached him has seen that that's not his range the 50 pluses right so they only put him out there if it's like okay we have to like we have to kick a field goal. Like it's about to be halftime, so we have no choice. Time's running out. We're gonna have to do this, or it's a game-ending field goal. But you know, you have no confidence, zero confidence. You put him out there if it's fifty yards plus. I think in his head, it's in his head too. He knows it. He knows he can't do it. It's just, it, like Tony said, I hate to say it this way because I'm a fan and I want us to always win, but I'm gonna want him to lose us a game so we can hopefully get rid of him because you know how the media is. The media is gonna eat Ron alive. He's gonna get man. tired. Of, he's gonna get tired of hearing of, of it. And he's gonna have, he's gonna have, they're gonna force his hand and he's gonna have to do it. But there's gonna, I'm telling you, there's gonna be a point this year, he's gonna cost us a game. And it should have already happened. It should have happened against the Giants. Yeah. So it's gonna happen again, guys. And you, I know you know it deep down inside. Seven for eight, it doesn't matter. I know you know. Many down know. in that Washington tummy in there. <laughs> you guys know how he makes you feel when he comes up. He's gonna cost us a game. You know it. You know what it is? It's like Ben Simmons. I don't know if you guys follow basketball. You're telling Ben Simmons to make a three point shot. 
That's what you're telling Hopkins to do. And you know Ben Simmons cannot make that three-point shot. So that's the perfect scenario. You're telling Ben Simmons to make a three when he can't even make a 15-foot jumper. So that's that's the comparison right there. That's where we're at. All right, cool. Dustin Hopkins is Ben Simmons. It's a good way to kind of wrap it up for our podcast today. So, guys, thank you for everything. I really enjoyed all of you guys coming on here. I talk to you guys all the time on Twitter. It's a pleasure actually seeing you guys and interacting with you. You guys are always welcome on the pod. Um, what I'm going to do is kind of pass around the mic real quick. I want you guys to kind of, you know, say goodbye, kind of tell them your socials, where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find you on your podcast. We'll start off with Manny. What do you got, man? All right, you guys can find me on Twitter at TS with Manny and on YouTube, Talking Sports with Manny. That's the easiest way to find me. Yeah, Talking Sports with Manny is a great podcast. He had me on a couple months ago. It was a good time. It's very, like, you know, family-based. He's going to come up there and have a good time. He invites everyone on there. So, Manny, thank you for everything. It's good to catch up with you again, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. No problem, man. Tony, what's up? Yeah, uh, you can get me on Twitter, uh, Tony J. Wheat. Um, I enjoy doing these podcasts. It's been great doing these. I'd love to do more. So if anybody else needs a, a British uh, a British guest with a British voice every now and again, hit me up. Um, I'm, I suppose my next big project is surviving an NFL weekend in London next weekend. So uh, there might be a story on that somewhere. Two, day, two days in London watching the, well, the, the Dolphins-Jags game. I'm not too bothered about the game, but the, the weekend in London could be a story in itself. I'd love to hear about it on our next podcast. So definitely, I've known Tony for a couple of years now. Tony's been on every single podcast with me, so pleasure to hear about it. I can't wait to hear about that game. Nate, what's up, bud? Guys, we never hit on the low-hanging fruit of Chase Young. We didn't talk about Chase at all in this <laughs> whole episode, and that's fantastic. I'll leave you with this. Um, Montez Sweat has uh, 12 pressures on the Montez year with Sweat. three sacks. Right Chase here. Young has 11 pressures and no sacks. Mm-hmm. So you can do with you do what you want with that, but I just want to say that, uh, yeah, Nathan Coleman, Jayhawk Chalk on Twitter. I just moved to the DMV, so if you want to hit me up and we can watch a game together or something, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, thanks for having me on, and it was a good time. Yeah, and it's a good time. I went to the Chargers game with him. I uh, totally agree with Montez Sweat, the seventh-rated edge rusher in the NFL right now with a 91 PFF grade. That's my guy. He's a good run defender, too. All right, Hans, what's up, bud? Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, like I said, my name is Hansel. You can find me right there, Hans305. Um, <laughs> I don't have a podcast. I like jumping on. Manny was actually the first person to let me get on. I was so on I that podcast it. with you guys. Yeah. It was great, man. I, I had a great time with you guys. I love talking about my team because I live in the 305 in Miami. And obviously, there's no Washington fans here. So I, I don't get to have that brotherly vibe and people who I could talk my team with. Uh, the only team I get to see live is my Hurricanes. So I enjoy moments like this. Uh, you know, for any of you guys who have pods, if you want to ever invite me, I'm always game. I try to, um, you know, I, I, I try to make it work however I can. If you let me know ahead of time, I love this type of stuff. I'm a sports management major. So football is especially my sport. I just, George, I want to thank you, man. You're, you're a great guy. Man. You're a stand-up guy, man. Uh, Thanks, you, man. Run, you run this very professionally. It's a, it's, a, it's a very well put on podcast, man. Kudos to Thanks, you. Man. And uh, Nathan, I've never interacted with you or Tony, but you guys are stand-up guys, man. I, I love your guys' uh, attitude, your swag, man. It's it's beautiful. I love it, man. Number <laughs> love from the 305 swag. over here to you guys, man. Yeah, he got the tank top on, man. He's yeah, got the tank top on. <laughs> the nice hey, hey, sun's out, guns out, baby. 100%, man. So, guys, thank you for listening. You guys can find us on YouTube. You guys can find us on any major listening network, you know, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you got. Find us on Twitter. See you guys later. Have a great night. Bye, guys. Cheers, guys. See you later, fellas. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.